All right, so one of the number one controversies in teaching English is whether or not you are team, theme, one word, or team, theme, phrase, or sentence. I myself go to phrase or sentence, but one of the other challenges around theme is thinking about pushing students to universal themes. If we value diversity in our classes, this is something that we really need to consider, and I dive into it into this episode. So let's get to it. Welcome to Anti-Burnout for English Teachers. I'm Danielle Hicks, and I am your host. I will be in this podcast going over tips and strategies to avoid burnout. Being an English teacher is so tough, and we really need to join together and figure out ways that we can continue to build a great English classroom and also not feel depleted by the end of the year. So let's go. All right, so it is February, which means that it's Black History Month. What I decided that I wanted to do for this month is to explore how teachers can work within their current curriculum, but to diversify what they're teaching. And I'm using work within your own curriculum pretty loosely because I am going to suggest ways that you can expand by bringing in new text with the recognition that you may not be able to do so because of your funds or because of approval or whatever the case may be. But that is a goal for this month to talk about diversifying and um, bringing in new ideas related to those diverse voices. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about is something that I found was like a turning point for me in my own teaching. I, as an African-American teacher, did some reflecting at one point and said, I mean, I reflect all the time, but about this specifically, I was thinking about my own reader voice. And when I approach a new text, thinking about how I envision characters, what my preconceived notions are about the text, just what I will construct before I receive any information. And for a lot of people, I was surprised to find, I hadn't really given it too much thought until I became a teacher, but I was surprised to find that a lot of people, their initial response was to create a character that looked like them. Because my character that was my standard and actually is still my standard because I have to change it just kind of thinking about what I'm supposed to be doing based on what others often do. But my character is actually a white man. So that's like what I put in as my first you know, character before I get information about them being something else, which is pretty distressing when I really think about it. And as I said, now, but as an adult reader, 
I do change that in my mind so that, but I have to do it pretty consciously. Um, so I think that's just something interesting to think about for your own students and, uh, kind of, I encourage you to to have that conversation with your students about what they envision and encouraging them to have a more individual response to literature when they first encounter it. But I think that brings me to this idea of why there's such a problem with universal characters and themes. Because when we think about what is really universal, it is getting pretty broad and it doesn't speak to the nuances of experience. I think with literature, we often, like, we want to connect, right? That's something that is so interesting about literature is it allows us to find ourselves in the books we read and the characters that we meet and sometimes that's in positive ways and sometimes it's in negative ways like it helps us to understand those like weaker parts of ourselves but when that's always our main objective or that's what we encourage students to do it doesn't help them to understand that sometimes they won't really fully understand like that's not even their job to fully understand it's just to empathize because sometimes we shouldn't really relate and sometimes like even okay so even if we're talking about stories like some of the stories are terrible that we we have students read and and we don't really want them to have the experience of relating or connecting um like seeing some of those I don't know how to, if I should even go further on this, but if we think about some of the stories that are important for students to read, for sure, we want them to read them not so that they can, um, you know, see themselves in it or to understand how much characters are like them, but to understand that there are experiences that differ from theirs and it helps to expand their worldview. So I, I, as I started thinking more about this universal idea, I was like, where does this even come from? And I started looking back at this, the historical roots of universality. And I'm using this in quotes and air quotes. So we get started with, we go way, way back to the ancient Greeks. So we have Homer and Sophocles, Odyssey and Iliad, where those authors we believe, or we believed, that there these ideas that were discussed transcended time and culture, that they were universally relatable. I think we would challenge a lot of this today if we really look at it. And those of you that teach the Odyssey and the Iliad will likely see that there are definitely ways to challenge what even these ideas as universal, but we have just looking at the Odyssey, just the way that Odysseus relates to or thinks about or doesn't think about really his wife. And as he's going off on his, his journey, trying to get back home, he has like 
all these sexual relationships with various women uh and we have like his wife is home just waiting for him and being chased and really trying to be pure for him as he's doing not that and then we can also look at when Odysseus comes home and how the slaves are treated the female slaves and it's just there are a lot of things that I think that we we definitely would say that's that's not exactly something that we should look at as a positive and universal trait that we should emulate when you look at the different translations you can really get into how different that experience was comparing or depending on how you're interpreting the words and whatever I'm going off on a tangent but another another subject for another podcast but started here with those ancient Greeks and then we get into the Greek philosophers looking at Plato and Aristotle and the seeking out of universal truths in Plato so Plato really did actually believe and said that art should aim to represent these universal concepts. Aristotle had the theory of catharsis and really, you know, here we're looking at how the aim should be to evoke those common emotions. And then we get into the Renaissance humanism. So, you know, time passes. Then we get back into the Renaissance and there is a look back at classical literature and philosophy and then the enlightenment where we have that pursuit of universal knowledge justice equality human rights we got voltaire and rousseau and of course that's when the founding of the united states so that's built on a lot of those like universal ideals then um we get into the like romanticism and we have Wordsworth and Goethe thinking about individualism and the those romantic ideas ideals that are actually more individual looking at emotions and those uh, like individual imagination but even so still interested in like archetypes and universal themes so we still have that the universal ideas and all of these are common to the Western tradition and is the basis of a lot of curriculums across the United States. So when we're talking about like British literature or world literature, it will often follow these time periods. So when we're talking about these as the basis of our curriculum, we do spend a lot of time looking at universal ideals and universal themes, those archetypal characters that are Western. And the trouble with this is they don't get at those, those nuances of experience. I was thinking about um, Raisin in the Sun when I started putting together this episode and this this makes me think of so raising this on this time period we also have the green book which was a handbook for african-american drivers to know where it was safe to stop which towns were safe to drive through 
and Raisin in the Sun and the Green Book at the time, um, it really speaks to this feeling of alienation and when we get into Raisin in the Sun, not being able to live in particular neighborhoods, not being able to live out the American dream in the same way as someone might on the other side of town or really in the neighborhood, even if that family is able to afford this house, they can't, they still can't live there. And this kind of, when we look at this story, we can certainly make broader connections. I think we can we can all say that we've had some feeling of alienation, not being able to fit in. But when we look at the specifics of it, that's, I think when we, we say, okay, everybody can relate and connect, it, we lose a little bit. When we talk, we lose a little bit about the cultural impact of this text. We lose a little bit of the cultural impact of those people that really were going through these these trials. And when we simply look at dreams as a concept of the unit, or maybe like an overriding concept of a unit, we lose like the redlining, the gerrymandering, and what makes the like the context of the text so important we lose that cultural context and we lose some of the story by by coming back so far to a universal theme it is certainly a way to connect to other texts like maybe we have some story maybe maybe we have the great gatsby as our story like as our text that's available in our book rooms or in our textbook or whatever, which certainly wouldn't look at, you know, redlining. But if we are, like, we pull back to that broader, just looking at dreams, we can make connections, which we should. We definitely should make connections between texts, but we also need to, like, zero in, right? Like, we need to understand, like, what makes this context different from the Great Gatsby or whatever other text we're going to put alongside it. When um, a few years ago, as a county actually, but we did this in my school for several years and still do actually in in the ninth grade, we looked at at the beginning of the year just stories and elements of story, and we used the short film Hair Love. And if you're not familiar, it's such a sweet story um, about like an African-American family and the importance of like hair, really, and, and ethnic hair and, and being proud. And it it's something of a symbol for like cultural pride and acceptance of oneself within, you know, the Uh, cultural pride. And I would say when I started talking about hair love to my students in this way, so we watched hair love and I think a lot of students really enjoyed it. They connected with it in various ways. 
the relationship between the father and daughter and also between the, the mother and daughter, just like as a family unit and how much they cared about her and her wanting to like wanting her to feel proud of herself and 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 just like the sweet relationship between the father and the daughter. Um, so when I started talking about how this story really was trying to say something unique about the African-American experience, in addition to those universal ideas, I did get a lot of pushback from students. And I didn't plan to actually, when I was teaching this, I didn't plan to really just pull out like, okay, but let's look at what the director said, which was was just that wanting for for those little little children to to feel pride um and i think that gets really to the point of when we when we stress universal themes and characters to the i don't want to say detriment but like just not leaving enough room for the more specific and nuanced conversations, it does lead some students to think that there is no other, you know, purpose than what they're able to interpret themselves. And if we don't give them like that cultural background, that context, depending on who they're friends with and what they've seen, they may not you know, even have anything to draw on to know like, okay, like this is what the text is saying. So what I think is important for us, like what do we take away from this is, is just thinking about when we are bringing in different texts to think about how we can also bring in the context and cultural background so that we're able to address that myth of universality. I think as we bring in text, that should be a goal for us to understand that there is some broad universal experience that we want to to understand. It helps us connect to each other, but also having the empathy and understanding of other contexts and cultures is is also a goal that we want to do so we could be aware and address that in our curriculum i find with my own reading habits i talked about like those things that were surprising to me when i started to really uncover how i read myself but i think for all of us to think about what our stances as we're reading like our reading perspective and to try to challenge that and be conscious of it and encourage that in our students as well and also to really be curious about what is happening in the text and not making assumptions about the universal nature of texts um assuming because really once we get into it and i'll go into this in in a future episode that like unless we if we don't know the con- the context, we don't know that there is context, then we will look at the text in a universal in a universal way. So we should be comfortable with not maybe not understanding everything until we go deeper into it and being curious about 
what is in the text and what we can glean from it. So um, that is the episode for today. And I hope that sparks some ideas about how you can bring some different perspectives in, even as you talk about those universal themes and characters. And that's it. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for sticking around till the end of the episode. And see you next week.